0: Welcome to Hubbard Helps, a program that spotlights the people and organizations making a difference in Chicago. Now here's your host, Kara Hernandez. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Brightpoint envisions an equitable world where all children and families thrive in strong communities. They advance the well-being of children by investing in families to disrupt the systemic and multi-generational cycle of racial, social, and economic inequality. With us this morning to talk more about Brightpoint and their upcoming Brightpoint benefit is Mike Shaver, President and CEO. Mike, thank you so much for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you, Kara. It is great to be with you. I appreciate your time.
0: How did Brightpoint get started and how has it grown into what it is today?
1: So uh, Brightpoint originally was Children's Human Aid and we have been around 140 years in our earliest days We really were an organization committed to removing children when they couldn't be at home, and oftentimes when they were in what we call poor houses at that time or even institutions. For decades, we as an organization known as Children's Home and Aid shaped foster care. Uh, We founded the Children's Home Society of America, which uh, at its peak had uh, members in 35 states, Those members were part of a very early convening at the White House. It was called the White House Conference of Children, and it was first convened in 1909. And that very first convening that we participated in led to the creation of the Federal Children's Bureau, which still exists today as part of Health and Human Services. We did a similar thing right here in Illinois. We played a role in founding the very first juvenile court in the United States, and that was in 1899. We also played a role in the founding of what is today the Illinois Department of Children and Family Services, and that was back in 1964. So in addition to doing this sort of like fundamental work to build what we we often think of as the modern foster care system, we've also championed a bunch of, of issues over the years, like the creation of child labor laws, creating supports, uh, financial and otherwise for families that adopt standards around school attendance and, and even nationalized standards for what foster homes should look like. And today and over time, we've been a real force and a leader in recognizing that we cannot and will not foster our way out of child neglect and abuse. So we are committed to going upstream with our service interventions, making family the centerpiece of our investment, and so that uh, children can thrive and youth can thrive. And, and we, we're doing all of that work with an equity lens. and And that is why we have changed our name to Brightpoint, because it's our belief that zip code is not destiny, and that everyone really has the opportunity to succeed, and and our organization is committed to providing that support.
0: What do you want listeners to understand about how poverty, trauma, and systemic barriers to equity affect families? And are there any misconceptions that people might not think about?
1: The first misconception that I think people don't often understand is that about 85% of the children were there for reasons of neglect not because they've been abused, and that this neglect is often exacerbated by conditions of poverty, things like unstable housing, an inability to access health care, incomes that are near or below the poverty level, and and even something as simple as the unavailability of child care. These are problems, certainly with solutions, but more importantly, these are problems that families encounter not because they don't love and care for their children, but because they live in communities that don't allow them to do uh, the best for their children, the kinds of things that, that most of us take for granted. I think the second important thing to understand that is often a misconception about the field where we have worked for so many years is that the removal of the child from their family causes trauma, and we have learned, particularly in the last 25 years, that that trauma has an adverse impact on the development of that child as they enter adulthood. Uh, I think the last thing that listeners may or may not know is that these interventions, The step to place the kid in foster care, it has a disproportional impact on black and brown families. And that really does track directly and very closely to the same kind of disproportionality that we see in poverty, which is that black and brown families make up a larger percentage of families living at or below the poverty level than their general representation in in the United States. When that is the issue, and we also know that there are solutions that can fix this problem, we think and want most people to understand that foster care is not an inevitability for children who have been neglected.
0: According to your website, brightpoint.org, you offer many different parent and youth support programs for families in need. What are some of the different services Bright Point has, and what impacts have they made?
1: at BrightPoint, we recognize that if you want thriving youth and children, families are the single greatest asset for child well-being. So we take a multi-faceted approach to our programming, and that programming really finds its heart in prevention-related services. And we think about those services that we think over time can really affect the curve of equity and and that those services are equity-driven. So we we have five areas specifically that that we do at BrightPoint. Parent support, what we call child welfare, early childhood care and education, mental health and wellness, and then youth services. Now in the fiscal year that ended in uh, June, we served about 30,000 children, youth and families, and we did that in 57 counties uh, throughout the state. Our child welfare program helped make sure that uh, about 2,500 children that were indicated for neglect or abuse actually could remain with their families and not ever enter the foster care system. And we do that through a dedicated set of supports, holistic supports that strengthen families, and we call that work impact family work and child welfare services work. We had about 2,000 and 2,200 youth that participated in programs that are very specifically designed to reduce a set of risk factors and ensure success at home, in school, and in their community. And, and these are youths that might have been at risk because they've been involved in the juvenile justice system. They've come to us through a school referral. But we, we know that when we can get to that work early, we can support families. We can reduce the likelihood that they get more involved in the juvenile justice system or that they're more likely to get involved in programs that result in violence. And finally, through our mental health and our wellness programs, about 1,100 children and their caregivers, they receive support. And that could have been anything from a handful of group therapy that we do, one-on-one therapy. We've done it as telehealth. We do a lot of this work in in schools and in partnership with schools so that, again, we're supporting them. We're supporting them in their environment, the education space, and also uh, doing our part to, to support their families. Finally, we did have a small number, and this is the number we want to see get smaller and smaller year over year, about almost 1,200 children and youth uh, who experienced neglect or abuse. We served them and supported them and did case management work and supported their relatives and their foster families through what we call our foster care services. So, And of that group, we were actually able to get almost 250 of those children and youth back to their families, or to other permanent homes. So we see this as work that we do on the front end. Let's keep them out uh, whenever possible of the foster care or the child welfare system. But because we're such experts in doing this work, accelerating our practice so that more and more of those children can go home faster and in greater numbers. And, And that's how we are doing our job to reduce the need for foster care as we know it.
0: On September 7th, 2023, BrightPoint will be holding their annual BrightPoint Benefit. How did this event come about? What is the goal for the event? And how can people participate?
1: So I am super excited about this event. We, With the launch of BrightPoint, we decided to launch a new intention to engage a whole new group of supporters with this first annual BrightPoint Benefit. Bright Point doesn't exist alone. We can't have the kind of impact that we want to have in so many communities, not only right here in the city of Chicago, but all over the state, if we don't have folks who support our work. And so we're hosting this event to bring together stakeholders like our donors, the corporations who support us now and have supported us for years, and many of the extraordinary philanthropic foundations that have been supporting the work at BrightPoint for many, many years. And and we're bringing them to this event because we are so excited about this this new narrative, this new energy that we have to chase the solution rather than the problem around uh, children who wind up in the deepest end of our social services sector. So, We want to invigorate this board in metropolitan Chicago. We want to get leaders from the business community in front of new audiences so that they can be a part of this important cause that shapes the communities in which we live and and really can make all of our communities better. People can go to www.brightpoint.org and there is a tab there for events, and it probably will pop up as soon as you land on that page, and there's a link you can follow to order tickets. You can also use that link if you just want to make a contribution. It's very prominent. You can also go to the website just to learn a little bit more about us, see all about our strategy and our, our blueprint for impact. But everything is done electronically. If you want to join us on September 7th, Complete uh, the information, uh, purchase a ticket, and we'll get you everything you need electronically for the event.
0: What plans and goals do you have for BrightPoint in the future?
1: So that is a great segue here from uh, what I was just talking about. On our website, we have two things. We, We have our blueprint for impact, and we have a strategy document. And we really did solidify these objectives about two years ago. Our philosophy is if we can build a network of services that solve the small problems that, that we all experience, that I know I experienced as a parent, that I know lots of people experience as a problem, when your daycare arrangements fall through, when your car breaks down and you have to get to the job. If we can figure out solutions to those, those small problems, we know that we have the ability to keep them from becoming life-altering crises that adversely affect children over time. And so that really is the centerpiece in our work. And you can see in that that the three fundamental foundations on which this is based is that we are committed to going upstream. We are committed to investing in families as a solution. And we are committed to bringing an equity lens to this and, and righting some of the systemic wrongs that have disproportionately impacted families of color.
0: What's the best way for those listening right now to help BrightPoint as well as help struggling families in their communities?
1: So obviously, we would love to see you at our event on September 7th. But if that doesn't work for you or if events aren't your thing, I I have a couple of other options. One, we're always interested in your support. One way to help or engage is to uh, go to our website and go to the Alquist Center. The Alquist Center is our public policy and innovation center. And it's where we seek to influence the systems that serve children and families across the state. You can play a role in shaping policies in the system that not only would have a potential impact on you, again, access to high quality early childhood services, We have supported subsidies for diapers for families living in poverty because diapers are such a huge expense. But we also have a listserv, and we keep that entire community on that listserv up to date on all policies at both the federal and the state level that have an outsized impact on the families we serve. If you, like me, believe that you do this work because it has a profound impact on your life and the life on the families around you, the life of families that live in your city, then you want to be part of of the solution. And a powerful way to do that is to get engaged with our Alquist center and let your voice, let the people you vote for, know that these are priority issues and, and that you support a robust, healthy and thriving children's agenda. And and we're one of the leading organizations in the state that are fighting it out in Springfield and in Washington every year to make the system better and to address issues of, of equity. So we'd love to have your support if that's what moves you.
0: Thank you so much, Mike, for talking to us this morning. Our guest this morning has been Mike Shaver, president and CEO of BrightPoint. For more information or to contribute to their mission, visit brightpoint.org. That's B R I G H T P O I N T.org. That's our show this week. Thank you for listening. I'm Kara Hernandez. Hubbard Helps is powered by Hubbard Radio, making a difference in Chicago.